1: Hi everyone and welcome, Um, it's good to see everybody again. Please let us know, welcome back to our our weekly broadcast and podcast. Um, Please let us know where you're tuning in from. And if you were with us last week, you uh, talked with us about rental property depreciation and depreciation capture. Um, Brian gave us a lot of information. We got a lot of good uh, comments and questions as well. Um, this week, we're going to be talking about taxes, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> end of year money moves for real estate investors. Um, you know, we all dread the, the end of the year to April 15th and hmm. you get an extension in the whole nine yards. But they're here. We're going to provide you with some good, useful information um, on how to maximize some of your deductions. And. Please, we have to add this disclaimer. We are not financial consultants, nor are we accountants. Um, so please um, make sure that if, if you're going to use any of these strategies or if you have any questions about them, that you direct them to your accountants. And with right. that being said, Brian, start us off. What about those capital improvements?
0: Sure. <clears throat> so capital improvements extend the usable life of your building and they are depreciable. Uh, that means you can deduct the cost of them over many years instead of taking all of that deduction in a single year. Um, but, you know, if you get started on them now or if you anything you pay now towards capital improvements, uh, you can start depreciating for this year. So if there is a, uh, an improvement to your property that you've been thinking about, you know, <laughs> Consider now, doing it now.
1: Talk to us uh, a little bit about, because I know this is a confusion for a lot of people. What is a capital com- improvement compared to, you know, just any old mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: so capital improvements, uh, they extend the lifespan of your building or raise the property value. So an example of a capital improvement is a new roof on the property. Uh, new furnace, for example, anything that extends the usable life of the building, uh, as opposed to maintenance or repairs, which are uh, isolated thing, or repairs are just isolated uh, expenses to uh, fix something that's broken and maintenance is you know, ongoing upkeep costs, such as uh, painting, uh, mowing the lawn, you know, these right. sorts of ongoing expenses. What
1: about like additions and that kind of thing?
0: Those would be capital improvements. Gotcha. So and capital improvements are depreciated, just like the cost of the building itself, over 27 and a half years.
1: Good old half there. I love that they make it more confusing.
0: Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> the IRS. <laughs> so now we have a oh,
1: yeah. sorry.
0: Oh so Sandeep so he says, uh, do we have a do we have to 1099 contractors to claim tax deductions? or depreciation on repairs and improvements. So if you pay them more than $600 for the entire year, for the calendar year, then yes, you should be sending them 1099s uh, by law. Uh, Danny, do you have anything to add on that particular point?
1: Before they even start, I would get their uh, W. I always get that. W 9. W 9. Like 429. Yeah. (laughs) Because often you'll have them start and then you'll ask and they'll put you off and put you off. And then you're in a really precarious situation. So you want to make sure and get that information.
0: Yeah. They don't like to give this stuff to you. Uh, I mean, for one thing, it has their personal details like their social security number, which people get you know, a little twitchy about giving out um, and don't want to receive 1099s. They would just as soon sweep that under the rug and pretend that they didn't get that income when uh, the IRS comes calling. Uh, By the way, I did add a link here in the comments to our free rental property depreciation calculator. So you can run the numbers on how much you can depreciate each year uh, for capital improvements or for uh, property in general. Now, you know, we touched on maintenance a minute ago, by the way, maintenance costs and repair costs, those are deductible this year, the entire cost deductible for this year. So those are another thing that you can uh, wrap up before the end of the year if you want to deduct them on your taxes for next year. Absolutely.
1: And it's important to keep all your receipts, all of that stuff. I mean, most people know that anyway, but sometimes if it costs not much, you tend to like not worry about it, but it adds up.
0: Yeah, and if you're ever audited, you're going to need to produce that documentation or else the IRS may decide not to let you take that deduction and they, so they'll not only tax you on it, but they can hit you with penalties.
1: Penalties, yes. Good old audits. So Brian, talk to us a little bit about harvesting losses. How How can we offset some of those?
0: Yeah, so when you sell an asset for a gain the IRS taxes you at the capital gains tax rate for that profit that you made on it you can offset those taxable gains by uh, with losses you know so if you sell an asset and take a loss on it then those losses can offset your capital gains that you're taxed on now you don't want to intentionally go out and lose money right uh, but if you do have some investments in your portfolio that You've been meaning to sell anyway. They've been underperforming for you. You know that you consider you, you, like losers in your portfolio. Uh, you know, in a year when you do have some gains that are going to be taxed, you can harvest those losses by, you know, just taking the loss. You know, as they say, cutting your losses on it and then reinvesting the money somewhere else that's going right. to perform better for you. There's there's no reason to hold on year after year after year to these loser investments that are just not performing for you. So for example, if you have some stocks that just have not gone the way that you thought they were going to go and they keep underperforming the rest of the market, then just cut your losses, sell them, and you can take those losses that you incurred and use them to offset your capital gains from real estate. And um, we do have, we've got a link here if you want more information about uh, either harvesting losses or about other ways to offset capital gains taxes. We'll put a link to that in the, uh, the comments as well here. Now, one other thing that you can do to uh to have some deductions here by the end of the year is to buy a property before the end of the year so if you have if you're in the process of buying a property obviously we're getting close to the end of the year here uh, but yeah, you're, if you're kind in of the really process like yeah right <laughs> but you know real estate investors a lot of them move fast right and that's how right. they get such good deals yeah if, if you can settle before the end of the year then some of those closing costs that you incur are deductible for this year. Uh, The remainder of those closing costs are depreciable over the 27 and a half years, uh, along with the the cost of the building itself can also be depreciated, uh, including you can prorate the depreciation for that building for this year as well. So you do get some deductions there if you buy a property before the end of this year, Uh, something to consider. And if you are selling a property this year, or if you have sold a property this year, you can do a 1031 exchange on it. Now, 1031 exchanges get a little tricky and a little complicated. You do have to declare your replacement property that you're going to, to buy to replace the old property you sold. You have to declare that within 45 days of selling the old property. And then you also have to settle now, on the Now, what do you mean property. by declare? So when you do a 1031 exchange, you have, <laughs> so we're bouncing around a little bit here, you have to use a qualified intermediary to hold your profits and to to oversee the transaction for you or really both transactions because the 1031 exchange is a swap. So you're you're selling one property and you're buying another. So there's there's two transactions here. The intermediary oversees those two transactions and they actually hold your profits for you so that you never actually touch those profits. So you have to declare to the intermediary um, and to the IRS, what property you're going to buy to replace the old property that you sold. You have to declare that within 45 days of selling. Now the IRS does recognize that sometimes things happen in real estate investing and sometimes deals fall through the cracks. So they let you specify up to three different replacement properties. You only have to settle on one of them, of course, Um, but you can specify up to three properties that are your possible properties that you're going to replace the old one with. And then you also, there's a second timeline here, within 180 days of selling the old property, you have to settle on the new one in order to uh, qualify. And if you're not familiar with 1031 exchanges, and this all is Greek to you, uh, it lets you defer capital gains taxes on your investment properties. So quick example, you you, you buy a small single family rental that only cash flows like 100, 200 bucks a month, whatever. Uh, you own it for a few years, you make some some cash flow, you get some equity in it, and you turn around and you sell it. And you want to take your proceeds from that property and roll them into a larger property, maybe like a, a triplex or a quadplex. And uh, you don't have to pay taxes on your profits from the sold property if you roll those profits into a new property, a new investment property. So you can keep doing that to keep swapping out your properties and upgrading them over the entire course of your career if you want and never pay capital gains taxes until the day that you sell a property and don't roll the profits into a new investment property so
1: now there are um i'm sure there are financial um professionals or accountants that can help you set all of this up because it sounds like a lot of juggling and time you know limitations so
0: Yes. Yeah, you, know, you do want to speak with either a tax attorney or an accountant about 1031 exchanges before doing one, and you will need to bring in a qualified intermediary, which does not have to be a professional. They don't have to be licensed or anything, but they can't be you, and they can't be your immediate family member, um, and they can't be someone who's already serving as your agent such as a realtor or an attorney, property manager, someone who's already working for you in some sort of agent capacity. Uh, can't so be somebody
1: that. completely neutral.
0: Yeah, um, and we do have an article that actually we just uh, published all about 1031 exchanges. I put a link to that in the comments as well if you wanna learn more about 1031 exchanges and how they work. All right, mm-hmm. moving on. You can also make charitable deductions, right? Uh, either cash or you can actually Donate an entire property to charity if, if you're really feeling generous. Uh, <laughs> but um, you but keep this in mind though. If you make it a charitable donation, you know whether it's cash or, or a property or a car or you know whatever it is, uh, it's only deductible if you itemize your deductions. If you take the standard deduction, then it's not really going to help you. Uh, unless unless and here's where it helps to be a real estate investor and to have a business. Um, you can make these charitable contributions through your business. And still take the standard deduction because if you make these uh, if you make these contributions or donations through your business, then that comes off your business's bottom line, right? And it becomes deductible as an expense, uh, as opposed to your personal um, make personal donations. Then you have to itemize your deductions if you want to actually take advantage of that. Right. So
1: something and it to helps consider.
0: People. Well, absolutely, absolutely, and of course, charitable donations are also taxed so. Yeah, you don't, you don't pay any taxes on uh, profits on any of that if you donate a property. Uh, so keep that in mind. Um, you can also prepay your bills. So for example, if you have mortgage payments for January coming up, which, you know, if you have mortgage and you, you do, um, you can you can make your January payment early and deduct the interest on that. Of course, that means one less interest payment uh, next year that you can deduct so uh, but you know if you're if you made extra money this year and you think your taxes are going to be higher this year than usual higher than next year then you may want to take some of these um, deductions early take them this year instead of next year so you can also um you can use tax credits like for example the american opportunity tax credit um, you can take for students if you're helping them with their tuition Uh, you can take that and again, tax credit is better than a deduction. The tax credit comes right off of your tax bill. Uh, you can take a, the American Opportunity tax credit, for example, for $2,500 a year for each qualifying student. So, uh, Which is helpful. yeah, so you can, you can prepay some of these bills like mortgages or prepaid tuition uh, and potentially take advantage of either the deductions or even a tax credit. Uh, you can also, uh, you should also review your medical bills at the end of this year in case you want to deduct. For your medical expenses, in order to deduct for medical expenses, they do have to be at least ten percent of your adjusted gross income for you to deduct them. So keep that in mind. Um, and I think you, you you have to itemize your deductions in order to take advantage of that, right? Danielle?
1: Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. So, uh, but yeah, you know, as you look back over this year, you know, look at those. And if there's a medical procedure that you've been thinking about getting and maybe putting off. Uh, that might, you know, if that will put you over that line, that threshold of 10% of your adjusted gross income, maybe it's worth squeezing it in this year so you can deduct those expenses. (laughs) I mean, I'm just throwing ideas out there.
1: No, no, it makes sense. I mean, in a lot of ways, like if you have deductibles and stuff and you're you're entering into a new year and you wanna get some stuff done, it's it's a double whammy. You can meet your deductible before the next year and having to start over and get a tax uh, benefit.
0: That's right. And potentially have better health <laughs> if, if you need that these medicines.
1: <laughs> oh, there is that.
0: <laughs> so, you know, lastly, now's a great time to contribute to your tax-sheltered accounts. You know, that could be retirement accounts like your IRA or your employer-sponsored retirement account like a 401k. Um, uh, could be education accounts like a 529 plan or an ESA. Uh be an hsa a health savings account which by the way offers the best tax uh benefits of any tax sheltered account not only can you deduct your contributions but you don't pay any taxes on the withdrawals either
1: only if they're used for medical right
0: that's right but they actually allow a very uh, generous definition of medical expenses (laughs) shall we say Uh, and when in retirement, you can also use an hsa as a uh, as a, a duplicate or another uh, retirement account, because I guarantee you in retirement, you're going to have medical expenses, mm-hmm. high medical expenses, and there's, that money has to come from somewhere, right? So, you know, it could either come out of your own pocket or it could come out of your HSA. So HSA is double as a retirement vehicle as well. Benny, um, cool. what did we miss? Did I, did I miss anything here? Is there anything you want to add?
1: No, you, you did really good there. I, I learned too. <laughs> I love these things cause I learned too.
0: <laughs> well, keep in mind guys, I, I'm not a tax expert. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, before these are really just ideas to get you thinking, you should really speak with, like Denny said, an accountant or a tax attorney before you take one of these and, and run with it. So.
1: And let anything. us know if you have any ideas that we can offer to, you know, people who read the blog and whatnot that help them. That's, what it's all about helping each other, and there are a lot of little tips and tricks.
0: Yeah, so you know a lot of these are, are tax tips, and you know we'll certainly be talking a lot more about taxes over the next month or so. You know, as it's that time of year. But um, yeah, some of them are also just general financial cleanup. So, all right. Well, Danny, if there's something else you want to add, then uh, we will. We'll see you guys next week at two o'clock Eastern, eleven a.m. Pacific, and let us know what you want to hear about. Again, these are uh, we do these for you, not not to sit here and talk to each other. Yeah. <laughs> so let us know what topics you want to hear. Message, message us at uh, Spark Rental on our Facebook page or support, at Spark, or support at sparkrental.com to email us. And we'll see you next week at uh, Tuesday at 2 o'clock Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. Have a good one.
1: Yes. Bye-bye.
0: Did you know we offer a free eight-video course on how to reach financial independence with real estate? It's super bingeable with each video around 10 minutes long, but packed with information. Visit sparkrental.com learn for instant access. And please don't forget to rate and review our podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. Thanks for joining us, and we will catch you on the flip side.